Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. Make sure you check out our link tree in the description of this episode where you can find the links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter accounts. Okay, today is Thursday, June 1st. Zach, uh, NBA Finals about to start in 15 minutes at the time of this recording. Nuggets blew out the Heat. Uh, excuse me, Nuggets blew out the Lakers, as we all know. Uh, and uh, Heat Celtics went all the way to Game 7. Is uh, Let's bring up the age-old debate of rest versus rust. Is this going to hurt the Nuggets being off this whole time, or is this going to actually help the Nuggets uh, in this, in this uh, Finals? I don't really think it matters all that much. I think in this case, when you look at the Nuggets, this is a veteran team that's been there, done that. I've always said if you're a young team, you want the rest. Or you want, yeah, you want to keep playing. If you're a veteran team, then you want to rest. And in this case, the Nuggets are a more veteran team. I think they're fine with it. It's not like these guys went to the beach for a week and aren't doing anything as far as practices are concerned. So I don't really think it's that big of a deal. I think you might see some effects, but that's only going to be in the first quarter or so. And then it's just going to devolve into a regular game. So I think the whole rest versus rust thing, that to me has more of an impact in football than it does for basketball. So I, I don't if the if the Nuggets struggle, I don't think that's gonna be the reason. Yeah, if, if Nuggets go down zero one, uh I still don't think it's gonna be a huge concern. Uh I, I if you're a Denver fan, if, if they go down the first game, I think the Nuggets will still be nah. fine and they shouldn't be worried about about it too much. But yeah, I mean just talk about the matchup a little bit. Uh Jokic obviously playing his best playoffs he's ever played. Uh, we've talked about it before on this show, should be the M- MVP of the league. Uh you know, the whole debate of waiting to vote for the MVP until after the playoffs start. My thing about joke, uh, Jokic is players, I think, try to stop him a little bit too much. But we've actually seen a couple times in the playoffs here where when you let Jokic alone and make uh, other playmakers get involved, that is put other play, put other defenders on other playmakers on the team, it actually helps uh, the chances to win against the Nuggets. Uh, two out of the three times the Nuggets lost in the playoffs this year, uh, that's exactly what the teams did. They didn't double-team Jokic, and they really made the other playmakers on the team step up. Uh, did this once with the Timberwolves and did this once with the Suns. And again, those are the two of the three times that uh, the Nuggets did lose this uh, this season. But it'll be an interesting series. Heat's odds to win the series, plus 300. Their odds to win against uh, the Bucks was plus 750. So can't really... Take that for, you know, got to take that with a grain of salt, of course. Uh, Butler came out earlier this week, said all five guys need to show up against the Nuggets. I'm challenging Caleb Martin to continue to play like he did with the Celtics series, particularly in game seven. Uh, They really will need all five guys to play against, uh, play well against the Nuggets for them to have a chance. But it's also, you know, Tyler Hero, potential to come back in these finals. Uh, Duncan Robinson has to, you know, keep making every shot that he throws up. Kyle Lowry has to be the guard uh, on the second unit that's going to control the pace of play and kind of go back to his Raptor Raptor days when he won the play uh, won, won the championship with them. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he definitely have a chance. Uh, Jamal Murray Jamal Murray has to keep playing amazingly as well. Uh, but if they can if they can you know put a stop to all the play all the contributing playmakers around Jokic and really uh, slow down the pace of play that really hurts the Nuggets a lot. Uh, I think it's going to really come back to, to haunt them, and I think Heat definitely have a chance to win this series and uh, Heat culture uh, move on there. So what's our uh, predictions? Get that I, up. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go – it's definitely going to go to seven. I just think Heat are going to be so hard to uh, – they're going to be so hard to close on as they've, as they've shown. But I am going to pick uh, the Nuggets in seven. I'm going to pick the Nuggets in seven at home. They're, they're going to win it at home. I'm going I'm going Nuggets in five. I actually think this is a bad matchup for the Heat. And the biggest reason why is Bam Adebayo. He's been terrible this postseason. Now you're asking him to guard Jokic. Now you've got a more rested team, a deeper team, and they've got two superstars. The Heat have Jimmy Butler and a bunch of cast-offs outside of Kayla Martin, who's really gotten hot these last couple of uh, games or so. If he continues that, then all bets are off. But – You've got Jokic and you've got Jamal Murray. You've got two of the three best players on the floor. I think the Nuggets are deeper. They have the home court advantage. They're more rested. I think this is a five-game series. I think the Nuggets win. 
what do you think about Tyler Hero? Do you think he'll come back? And if he does, do you think he'll even be, you know, a contributor? I think he'll come back. I'm not sure how much of a contributor he's going to be. Like, I don't think he's a huge upgrade from a guy like Duncan Robinson or Max Scrooge. You know, these guys that have been shooting the ball all that well. But we're asking Tyler Hero to come in and, you know, score 25 to 30 points. I just don't see that happening. So I think he'll be back. I think he'll make an impact. I just don't see it being a substantial impact. Yeah. Um, like I said, Duncan Robinson, it's one of those things where he can't continue to keep playing like he's been playing. So his luck has to run out eventually. I feel like at some point, Kyle Lowry is not like he used to be on the Raptors. He, Caleb Martin, he had one good game, you know, a good series, I guess, in general against the Celtics, but really just not known as that player in general. Um, yeah. I just think that he, as they, the knock on them this whole playoffs has been that they're just not deep, but they're just very scrappy. And I just don't know if scrappy is going to be good enough against the Nuggets. And I think their luck is going to end up running out. But scrappy does get you to game seven. And that's why I'm thinking it actually will go to seven. But Nuggets eventually will win at home uh, in seven. Let's talk about the legacy, though, between Butler and Jokic. Um, many ways to phrase this, but just kind of go on that. Like, who has the most to lose and or win with a you know a finals victory i don't think either one of them really have much to lose but if you're looking at Jokic, like if he wins this series i think he's already going to be a top 25 maybe even a top 20 player of all time because he's already won two mvps yeah i i I don't think it's that far-fetched i mean you got multiple mvps how many guys have multiple mvps especially back to back uh he's one of the best passing big men i think we've ever seen he's an outstanding rebounder we know what he is as a scorer and the way that he's carried this team and i think he gets into that all-time conversation now I would still put him like top 25. I'm not going top 20, top 15. I think that's a little extreme. But Jokic would wrap up, basically, he would be a Hall of Famer already with a championship. I think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame regardless. But if he wins this series, what he does is he stamps himself as, to me, the best player on the planet. If they don't win this series, then I think you can have that conversation about, is it Giannis, is it Jokic, is it Curry? If the Nuggets win, I think it's case closed. Jokic is the best player on the planet. So I think he has that to gain. And as far as Jimmy Butler is concerned, look, this guy has carried them. One, It's been one of the best solo acts we've seen from a guy not named LeBron. Like, Jay Williams said that he's never seen anybody carry a team to the finals like Jimmy Butler, like, slow your roll, because the LeBron carried the 07 and the 2018 Cavs that had no business getting out of the first round. So, but that's a different conversation for another time. But Jimmy Butler now has two signature postseason runs in 2020 and now this year, where he's carried not-so-great teams to the NBA Finals. And, you know, the first time in the finals, he was tremendous. If he has another strong series where he's, scoring 30 40 points a game we start to talk about jimmy butler as you know a top 10 player in the game now like where i see him as playoff jimmy is one of the three or four best players in the league regular season jimmy is like a top 15 good player but nobody would call him a superstar kind of guy so i think Jokic could stamp best player on the planet if the nuggets win if the heat are able to come back that 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 would completely change the way we look at jimmy butler to drag an eight seed to an NBA championship to do something that nobody's ever done. He gets it. He gets thrown in that conversation. He wouldn't be the best player on the planet, but he at least would have to be part of the conversation. Yeah. Going off that, I actually think Butler has way more elevation to gain from winning than yeah. does. Um, I mean, like you said, I, people only care about if you win or not, win the finals or not. Yeah. He plays amazing in the playoffs. He played amazing in this playoffs, but you know, two, three, four, five years from now, people are going to remember if he actually won the finals or not. I think he has a lot more to gain this finals by winning. Let's talk about, though, if anyone has something to lose uh, if they if they lose the finals. I mean, I think Jokic actually would have a lot more to lose if it, losing the finals because Nuggets are just such a better team. Uh, we already talked about, you know, alluded to how if Jimmy loses, maybe not as bad. They're an eight seed. Surprising that they even you know, made it this far. I mean, let's not forget that they almost didn't even make the playoffs. I, I, I know they, you know, they struggled in the play-in tournament even, and people are even amazed that they won the first, people are amazed they won the first round, of course, against the Bucs. Yeah. But right. Jokic, I think if he loses, it's actually going to hurt him a little bit, don't you? 
Uh, it depends on how he plays. If he has a great series and they lose, then no, I don't really think it is. I think it'd be more of a missed opportunity versus, oh, now his legacy or is not all that great because he didn't win a championship. Now, he's going to be around for a few more years. I think this Nuggets team is constructed to be really good for the next three or four years. So I think this could be the difference between whether they have a potential dynasty on their hands versus just merely being a good team that might be able to win a title in the next four or five years or so. But I don't think this is going to do anything to his legacy. I think legacy talk as far as losing in the finals, I think is overrated. Like the, the, the nuance and the way people talk about it, it's better to lose in the first round than it is in the finals, which is insane to me. But no, I, I think it would be more of a missed opportunity versus a legacy killer. So I, I don't think Jokic would lose a ton. I still think we would look at him as one of the best players on the planet, maybe the best player on the planet, a guy that has won two of the last three MVPs and probably should have won the last three. So but but that's the thing. Like, when is he going to win a championship? Well, this act- yeah, I, you alluded to. It. I was going to actually ask you about that. So, yeah, if they win the finals. Do you think that people, you know, talent will flock to Denver like they never really have done before? But do you think winning the finals will help build that dynasty by building their name up? I, it could. I don't think it's going to attract the superstars because I don't think this team is built to attract a whole lot more superstars. Jokic signed long term. Murray's I think signed for a good while so it's not going to be like you're not going to get somebody of Kevin Durant's stat or stature going there like it's not going to be when like when he went to Golden State I think it's going to be more veteran guys that are kind of ring chasing or you know those kind of those good shooters or good rebounders guys that know their role might be more willing to go out there so I think that's probably what it leans more to rather than you know veteran guy that wants to make some money just usually ends up going to a place like Miami because it's Miami or go to the Lakers because you know, you got beaches and you got warm weather. Maybe those guys take a look at Denver as a secondary look, but I don't, I don't see another superstar going out there. It's also Denver too, which you, which people, it definitely matters. I know people kind of laugh about that. The location doesn't really matter, but it definitely matters. If, if yeah, not many people want to go to Denver. I mean, it's not close to a shore. It's not close to the coast. You can't, you know, take an hour train up to uh, or an hour drive, whatever, up to New York City. You can't go to the beaches. It's it, it definitely matters, and that's also another big reason why uh, a big star might not go to Denver because they have so many other options they can go to. I want to get the Celtics and their collapse, but uh, shortly before coming on, had some a uh, bit of a breaking news. Uh, more John Morant news coming out. Apparently, uh, his off court issues. Interesting, though, is that Adam Silver won't even say what it is, uh, given that the, as we're talking, tip-off is basically happening right now on the finals. He doesn't want to take any heat, or he doesn't want to take any, uh, lack of better words, heat from the finals. And what do you think about this, Zach? Is it kind of interesting that he doesn't even want to tell the fans uh, what John Morant does? And that just Does that kind of just speak on how bad this could potentially be? Yeah, this isn't just a minor thing. This isn't like, oh, we've uncovered a lot of good things that completely clear them. No, something's going on. We just don't know what it is. But the thing that kills me is Adam Silver says, oh, we could have made a decision now, but we made the decision it would be unfair to these players and these teams to announce that decision in the middle of the series because we don't want to overshadow it. Well, guess what? Now there's going to be speculation. Now everybody's going to be talking for the next couple of weeks about what's the suspension going to be instead of we have an answer and we move on from there. So. Adam Silver, you didn't want to overshadow the finals. Well, then just don't say anything at all. You've you've overshadowed the finals because now everybody's going to be talking about the speculation and how long is the suspension going to be? How bad is this? And my read is this is obviously very, very bad. You're not throwing this information out there if it's good news. And we all know what happened with John Morant off the court. And, yes, we all saw the videos. We know all that. It's got to be something more than that. And the fact that he didn't get – his treatment or he was in a treatment facility for three days or whatever it was tells. And obviously it didn't take this is a, this is going to be bad for John Moran. This, this is going to be a long suspension, maybe a year suspension, something along those lines, but just bad timing. And Adam Silver, again, like you say, you don't want to overshadow the finals, but by making this statement, you overshadowed the finals. Like, you got to think. Like, I, I don't know where the PR guy is or where the common sense guy is, but he should have gotten a hold of Adam Silver before he said that. But this is very bad for John Morant moving forward. 
ignorance would have been bliss in this situation, or at least pretending to even be ignorant about it. Like you said, what he did made the situation 10 times worse. But it's interesting to see if someone's going to leak this, and if so, how long it's going to take to leak this. Um, he can't be the only one that knows about this. Uh, obviously, many other people do. They're doing a good... I mean, in today's age, with the media, they're, it's so hard to keep things under wraps. So kudos yeah. to him and the NBA office for even being able to keep this under wraps, whatever happened. I mean, everything on <laughs> social media is videotaped today. So that, even that alone is something to be talked about, how amazing that is that they're even able to keep it under wraps. But yeah, no, I agree. Him doing what... Him trying to take uh you know media off of this so people focus on the finals uh actually ended up shooting him in the foot a little bit but more to come on that and it's interesting to see what happens there but yeah uh, last last bit of nba news celtics uh thought we were going to do it i I really thought celtics were going to win game uh game seven but then had an epic collapse in uh game seven we all know uh jason tatum had issues with he was hurt um, but really it was just Miami does not like the zone or excuse me, Celtics do not like the zone at all. It, and it really showed, uh, Miami was so good with zone defense. Uh, didn't had someone on Celtics constantly. They were in their face, especially on the three point line, the entire game Celtics could not get a good look off. Um, you know, people say you live and die by the, fr- by the three, but this really wasn't the case for the Celtics. They weren't making threes because the defense was just so good. Uh, I mean, like I said, just their ability to switch between pick and rolls and picks and just in general was just so good. Um, South, uh, Miami with the zone defense and their aggressiveness made the Celtics dribble more. Uh, that's obviously not good, especially for Jalen Brown. Still can't dribble in the league, which is surprising. Uh, needs to fix that up big time, as we all know. Um, but let's talk about Brown a little bit more. Um, he had to show up when Tatum got hurt and he really just did not eight for 23 shooting, uh, worst game of his playoff career. He had eight turnovers. Like I said, still can't really dribble the ball despite, you know, the, how much it's needed for the team really, especially, and then we saw this when Tatum went down, what's your general thoughts? Did Brown kind of let the team down by not showing up and, you know, would they have won if Tatum didn't get hurt? What are your thoughts on that, Zach? I don't know if they would have won if Tatum didn't get hurt because you look at the Celtics, and Charles Barkley said it best, this team talents their way to victory. Like, they don't really do a whole lot of great schemes. They, they, they don't like to play a zone. They just strictly play man-to-man. And it doesn't seem like they really run any semblance of offense other than Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown get open, play ISO, and try to get open. And – they shot 42 threes in game seven. That's way too many threes unless you're the Golden State Warriors and you've got the best shooting backcourt of all time. The Celtics, they look like a team that just was playing street ball. And we've seen that throughout the entire postseason. This is a team that went five and six at home in the playoffs. That's inexcusable. And as far as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are concerned, Jason Tatum really did not play well in the playoffs up until he had that game seven, the 51-point game. You remember, if they lost game six against the Sixers, he was awful that entire game until the last three or four minutes and he hit a couple of big shots to put away the Sixers. But he did not have a great postseason overall. And Jalen Brown, when you have as many turnovers as you made baskets, you got a problem. And what did they say coming out of that game? We wanted to force Jalen Brown to go left. Well, that's going to be on every scouting report throughout the entire league is now that Jalen Brown doesn't like to go left and that he can't do it. And that's when he turns the ball over. And I mean, I thought for sure, after the way they won game six, Derek White with the tip-in, how, how does a team lose a game like that, go on the road, and have enough emotional energy to win game seven, and the Celtics just flat out laid an egg? I, I don't understand it. I know Jason Tatum got hurt, but we've seen guys play through injury before. Jalen Brown didn't do anything. Half the team looked scared. The only person that looked like they were wanting to shoot was Derek White. He didn't look like the moment was too big for him. And Joe Mazzulla keeps his job, and I don't have a problem with that. But he needs to be under the microscope going into next year because I do, what does Joe Mazzulla do to make the Celtics better? I really can't think of it. The, the team is really talented, but there's a lot of coaches that can win with talent. So I think the Celtics, their bad mistakes, losing home games, playing as sloppy as they have throughout the postseason, it finally caught up to them. Yeah, no, it's uh, 
it's a shame if Miami wins. Uh, they'll be they'll they would have taken down the top. Miami wins the finals. Excuse me, they would have taken down the top three regular season records this year, which is yeah. pretty amazing. It's just pretty amazing. Brown and Tatum, though, are they done after this year? Is the duo done? If not this year, then especially next year if they have the same results. Yeah, I think it, next year is going to be Judgment Day because you look, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are both going to be up for max contracts soon. Jason Tatum's going to get the super max because he's the better player. But even if they give Jalen Brown the max, he's going to be making $55 million a year. Like NBA salaries are going through the roof. Do you want to pay Jalen Brown $55 million a year to be the number two option on your team? I'm not so sure that you do. So you can do you might be able to talk yourself into that if you're winning championships and this is a franchise that over the last 5 years they've won more postseason games than any franchise not named Golden State they've actually won more playoff games in the last 5 years than any team in a 5 year stretch that didn't end up winning a championship so i know they're going to talk themselves into we're right there we're really close i don't know that they really are all that close until they make notable changes as far as their defensive schemes. I think they need to get younger. I don't think they have the slasher, the guy that can get to the basket. You can't be as reliant on shooting threes as they are. I know Golden State has made a living off doing that, but that's a special circumstance because Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are generational as far as shooters are concerned. So I think I think next year, they're going to give them next year unless they get blown away by a trade partner somewhere else. But if they don't win next year, then I think it's very possible that that duo splits up. Win it all. That's the that's the ceiling for you. Yeah, has wow. to be. They've yeah. done everything else. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like the Sixers, right? The Sixers also kind of have done as much as they can do and just can't reach that point. And their point's even lower than the Celtics. They yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, no. Uh, yeah, well. Like I said, uh, at this point, I mean, literally as we're talking, I think the tip-off, like I think just happened as we're recording this uh, Game 1 NBA Finals on its way. Game 1 of NHL Stanley Cup Finals uh, tomorrow, Friday. We have an amazing interview with Bill Bradley, uh, sports editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal uh, for over six years, now a sports content creator. Uh, Good interview with him coming up. Gives us a great preview into the uh, Panthers and Golden Knights uh, matchup we have coming up next, uh, beginning to- tomorrow into the next couple weeks. So we'll leave it. We'll leave that with him. Uh, but stick around for that interview. Great interview. Gain- good insight into the Golden Knights and just the Las Vegas sports in general. I want to leave with just some NHL news, or excuse me, N- NFL news. DeAndre Hopkins finally released by the Cardinals. Uh, they did it three days before – I don't really know the logistics, but if they waited three more days, it would have been a much higher cap hit for the Cardinals, and that's why they released him when they did. Uh, where do you think – do you have any inclination on where he might go, Zach, next year? Who's that? De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, Hopkins, yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's a couple of teams that are interesting uh, possibilities. Obviously, I think the Patriots come to mind because – They've always signed older veteran receivers. And what do New England need more than anything? They need a good wide receiver. Their skill position guys over the last three or four years, probably among the worst in the league. And you got to get somebody to help out Mac Jones. I think the Cowboys, anytime that, you know, a wide receiver comes up, Dallas's name is going to be brought into it. And it should, because outside of CD Lamb, who do you really trust? Michael Gallup's injured half the time. Noah Brown's decent, but he's, probably a number three receiver at best. I don't really love that receiver room, especially with Dalton Schultz leaving this offseason. The Giants should be in that mix because the Giants badly need wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, has a game that translates well as he gets older because he's not as reliant on his explosiveness. He's a great route runner, has spectacular hands. I think he's going to be effective for another four or five years. I think any team that's a contender should be up there. I think the Eagles will be in the mix as well, you know, going to the NFC, he's already professed how much he likes playing for, with uh, Jalen Hurts or would like playing with Jalen Hurts. Name a contending team, and you're probably going to have some interest with DeAndre Hopkins. So, I my guess is I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna say he ends up with the Cowboys. Just kind just kind of throwing that out there, but there's about 10, 12 teams that I think have serious interests, and you know. 
I know people have talked about Houston, Carolina. I, I don't see it. I think DeAndre wants to go to a situation where he actually has an elite quarterback and where he has a chance to win. Any chance he joins Beckham in uh, Baltimore? I could see it. I mean, the the Ravens have spent all offseason trying to actually get some wide receivers. They went and got Zay Flowers in the draft. They uh, they obviously got Odell Beckham. Yeah, if you're Baltimore, you should be at the front of the line to get DeAndre Hopkins. I think he and Lamar would be specta- would be great together, and I think that would be a really good situation. Like again, if you're a contender. You should be in on DeAndre Hopkins if you're not stacked at wide receiver, maybe like the Bengals. I think they might be the one contender who's not really in the Hopkins mix because they're already set at that position. So, yeah, Baltimore should be near the front of the line for DeAndre Hopkins. I think, if I'm not mistaken, at the time we're recording this, I think the Bills and the uh, Ravens are the betting favorites to land DeAndre Hopkins. Now, yeah. where does they just get that number? I don't – who knows? But – I'm actually going to mention two teams you didn't even you didn't mention yourself uh, as possibilities. I think Miami could be a good landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins. I know he's he's not the quickest guy anymore. He never really has been known to be the fastest guy. Uh, you kind of mentioned it yourself. Known more for his intellect and just route running and loves to be in the middle of the field. Uh, great compliment to Waddle and Hill that are going to be very fast on the outside where he's going to have a lot of single coverage in the middle of the field and we all know Tua loves throwing in the middle of the field so I think he could actually be a really good addition to Miami uh, Miami's offense and I think I could see him really going there too as kind of a dark horse and all this and then of course we know uh, another name I'll, I'll throw out there is the Lions uh, Lions could use him as well I know Lions are definitely trying to build more of a younger team but um, you know the Lions just had Jameson Williams uh, suspended for his betting uh, mishaps in the off season, like a month or two ago, they let go of TJ Hawkinson as well in tight end position. So they definitely could use somebody in the middle of the field. And like I said, I think uh, Hopkins really is comfortable in the middle of the field. It could, could definitely contribute to the lions offense as well. But I still think in my opinion, I think the best fit would be Miami just for what I said, uh, just how good of a compliment he could be to Waddle and Hill next season. Um, but yeah, so and f- without further ado, we'll, we'll go to Bill Bradley. We'll go to the Las Vegas area, talk to Bill Bradley. Great interview with him. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals coming up tomorrow. Gives us a great preview into that, what to watch for, what to not watch for. And just overall, we have a good conversation about Las Vegas sports. Uh, so without that, here is Bill Bradley. Okay, we now welcome on Bill Bradley, former sports editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal and now a sports content consultant. Uh, Bill, no matter uh, what, this year the Stanley Cup playoffs will have a new champion, a first-time champion that, that for the Stanley Cup. Why is it going to be the Golden Knights? I know you're very familiar with them. You cover them for the whole time they've been in existence. Uh, I know when you were at the Journal, you were with them when they were the first six years of their existence in Las Vegas, the Golden Knights. Very familiar with them, and I know you have reasons as to why they are going to win the Stanley Cup this year as we head into Friday, and uh, why is that going to happen, Bill? Well, I mean, if people want to play the uh, play the uh, the line from the owner, he predicted this would be their the year they win the they win the cup when the when the team was announced. He said they'd win it in six years. The only problem was they almost won it in their first year too. So, um, but I think uh, the uh, the actual reasons why is they've done a hell of a job of building a team. They've, uh, uh, which in the NHL, I don't care what anybody says in terms of, oh, they had the draft, the expansion draft given to them six years in, they, only six of those players are still left. And they've utilized draft picks, uh, players, everything to try in their own, uh, to try and get better over. And they've turned that into trades for, for uh, Peter Angelo, Stone, uh, Eichel. All those have been acquired by by assets they had they had from way back with the uh, uh, in the expansion draft and uh, and what they did during their first season. And the amazing thing is they went to the finals their first season. This year they'll win it because what's led to that from that point is they have the deepest team in the NHL, and uh, and they have they roll out four full lines. They roll out maybe the best defense in the league. And the fact, I think this is the most telling thing about the defense. The fact is they have their fifth line goal um, goalie in there. Their fifth, their fifth 
line goalie. And the fact is, their defense hasn't hasn't missed a beat. They uh, they still average, I think, less than less than uh, two goals a game right now going into the finals in this playoffs. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the interesting things about uh, this playoffs or this Stanley Cup final. Excuse me, is how the death is so different between the two teams. I mean, you like you said, Vegas's four lines are they're all very good players in their own minds. And a lot of people are saying that's actually one of Vegas's biggest strengths against the Florida yes. Panthers in the Stanley cup this year is that they are just such a deeper team than, uh, than Miami is or Florida. Well, I think even in the last, what is it? The last game where they against Dallas, they, uh, they were able to score their fourth line score two goals. And then you look at the, um, you look what's going on with their defense. The fact is uh, you have, uh, <laughs> um, you have Peter Angelo and Alec Martinez, their two biggest veterans, are their first line of defense. And then you roll out after that, Nick Hague. You have uh, you have uh, other players who are who maybe have come up through the uh, through the through the team through the uh, system. Just even the defensive line, all three defensive lines. There's not a uh, there's not a miss a piece that is that is uh, inexperienced in that area. What do you think of the mindset of this team? They've closed out their last two series, both on the road, and we just saw it against Dallas. They got up 3-0. They lost two in a row. May have been some nervous energy around Vegas, but they went out, went to Dallas, and closed that out pretty quick. So what's kind of the mindset of this team? Do you think the toughness has kind of shown throughout this postseason? I think it's more than just the postseason. I think it's the, the entire season. I think the fact that they've done it, I believe, I have to look back on this. Sorry, I don't have this memorized, but um, – the, I think they actually have, have one of the best – I know they have one of the best road records in the NHL. And the fact is they're actually a better road team in many ways, despite having a great home ice advantage. They lost a lot of games they should have won at, at home. But on the road, it's, it's as if they're a, they're a different team. They are, they're a lot more buttoned up. Their defense looks better, especially in the playoffs. Their defense looked much better on the road than it did at home. And um, – Maybe because it's it's an aspect of the fact they knew they had to watch what they were doing. They uh, they do there there was no uh, there was no uh, uh, room for error. But whatever they uh, it, it's they're a better defense, uh, better team on on the road. I'd say even so that's Which why you look all those games were were clinched on the road as opposed to at home. Why do you think they are better on the road? I think it's coaching. I think it goes back to Cassidy. I look at that at, at Bruce Cassidy. He's almost being kind of like, to use a football analogy, kind of like the uh, the, the Bill Walsh, uh, George Seifert type type. Uh, let's go out. This is a this is a this is a business trip. Let's get the, take care of this and move on. I think his his when they lost two in a row to to the Dallas Stars, his quote was to them, "What people are asking, what did you do to get these this team uh, up again and uh, to get them make sure they don't lose a." lose that 3-0 lead completely. And he said, I told him to get harder. Basically, he's very, very on focus, on point, especially on the road. So I've watched the, you know, watched their press conferences on the road. It almost looks like he's more, he's, it's again, it's more of a business trip. Whereas at home, it looks like they're more relaxed in that regard. So uh, they, they take care of business and they get out of there. Yeah. They, they always say that the series doesn't start until a team wins uh, away but Florida's actually been really good at away this uh, yes, they have. the playoffs as well. I mean, they're eight and one this postseason in the in the away. So it's almost funny. It's like who's going to play better at home. It's almost going to be the deciding factor with how both of these teams are playing on you know on the road uh, this this uh, postseason. I uh, I think that's very very true. I think the uh, the telling difference will be the fact that I think Florida can can push out there. Three lines, I think the uh, on offense, and I think the Knights can push out four. Again, the biggest thing might be that's where the goalie, the goaltending comes to show. I mean, yes, you're looking at Aiden Hill. He used to be a backup for the for the Coyotes, and and uh, and something's going right for him. He's looking great, but it's also the defense being there. Whereas I don't think the defense for uh, for uh, the Panthers may be as good. But the deep, but the goalie himself is better, Bobrovsky. So I think it's there's a big difference there. Uh, one has better defense and not so good a goalie. One has a better goalie and not so good as defense. Let's talk about Aiden Hill. Has he been the biggest? Well, not even the biggest, but the um, most pleasant surprise so far 
I think he. I think the most he's, he's the most pleasant surprise because he wasn't a surprise really until the playoffs. He was a group of. I mean, the fact is the season started with with Leonard, um, uh, Robin Leonard as the goalie. Well, then he was out even before the season started. Then they leaned on uh, on uh, Logan Thompson to start the season. He he started the All Star game. I mean, he was supposed to, he was on track to be Rookie of the Year. Hurt his knee, then came back and hurt it again. Uh, Leonard Brassois, he uh, he was up for it. He took he took charge of the job, and he looked really good until he got hurt during the playoffs. They even had Jamie Quick, who they who they acquired during the um, at the trade deadline, and he pulled out some really good games. I mean, it was amazing. He looked like he just he he was in this heyday with the Kings. However, uh, he also looked really really bad at times and games that you think he would have. Uh, some home games, in fact, the games you would think he would look uh, a lot better on, but no, he uh, he. There's a reason why there's a reason why Aiden Hill is starting during the playoffs when there's a proven playoff goalie on the bench as his backup. Why Quick uh, doesn't stand, just doesn't have it anymore? Why was Vegas not highly picked by many going into the playoffs? To, to I really don't know playoffs. because. I, I think a lot of people were, I think, first of all, I think it's a lot of people were just enamored too much with the Oilers, uh, at least on the Western Conference side. Well, I mean, when you consider you had the Oilers on the Western Conference side, people thought it was, it was, uh, pundits thought it was time for, uh, for Connor McDavid to, uh, to show up and make the finals. Um, and then on the other side, you had uh, the Bruins, which pretty much everybody thought would walk, run away with everything. Um, I think that, uh, the uh, it really showed in the sense that I thought at least I thought whoever won the Oilers night series would win the cup. I really I still believe that. Well, now the Knights won that. I think they'll go on to win because that was the, to me that was the Stanley Cup final. That is just two, the two best teams in the league were the, were the Oilers and the Knights. So I just don't think the East was as good a competition as the West. And I think there was I mean the fact is. The Avalanche couldn't even get out of the first out of the uh, out of that round either. So this is probably one of the I mean, even this is such an evenly matched matchup, uh, this Stanley Cup finals. Florida loves to keep the puck and is very good at keeping the puck on the uh defender side. Right. And we all like you've been saying, Las Vegas is fantastic at keeping the puck out of their zone. So right. it's I mean in your own biased opinion, like which prevails here? Is it really going to be the defense or is it going to be the uh, Florida Panthers and the pace that they play at and the offensive uh, prowess that they play at? I think it's going to be whoever can forecheck the best. If that sounds, sounds like a cop out. I, I think forechecking will be the, uh, will be the difference in this series, considering who can keep the pressure in the other opponent in the defensive zone and not let the puck get out of there. The Knights do a great job of that. So do the, uh, so do the Panthers. Now, I, I'm trying not to be biased because I picked it, but but I I think this is a uh, I'll say it's Knights and five. That's what I think. I think it's still when it comes right down to it, it's hard for me to see a uh, a number eight seed winning the uh, winning the cup. How do you think this postseason maybe changes front office's thoughts on first year coaches? Because both these coaches are first year, Cassidy and Morris. Of course, we talked about the last couple of years. You know. Uh, Jared Bednar, John Cooper last year. I think people looked at that as an example of why you stick with coaches and why you're patient with them. Do you think this series could kind of change that thought process? I think it might from the Panthers' standpoint. It's not as much for the Knights' standpoint because Cassidy spent six years with the with the Bruins. But I think uh, from the Panthers, I think you could make the argument the Panthers could have stuck with Andrew Brunette, who's now the is now the Predators' coach. So who did who took him to the? Uh, to the President's Cup last year. So I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said, at least for the past couple of years, about trying, uh, you know, giving giving a chance to a first-year coach. But you got to remember, we're, we're in the NA, we're dealing with the NHL, who will fire a coach on a moment's notice. I mean, we've are, the, the Knights have only been around for six years, and they've gone through three coaches. If this was the NBA, if this was the NFL, you would see coaches at least having some stability. Heck, you would thought George, I mean, uh, Gerard Gallant with the Knights, you would think after going to the finals in his first season, he would have had five five years. If you're in the Super Bowl, you get you get pretty much a pass for four or five years in the NFL. In the NHL, getting you to the finals doesn't give you a pass. It gets you even more, uh, even more pressure, expectation. So where are you going to win it next year? So 
So if there's a weakness with this Vegas team, it appears to be like penalty killing. They're only killing them 63% of the time, which is 14 out of the 16 postseason teams. Like, how are they going to be able to mask that? Or is that something that's going to come back to bite them if they lose a series? Is that going to be the reason why? You know, I think the penalty killing is is a uh, is a little skewed in the sense that they played the best in the second round. They played the best penalty uh, power play team in the NHL, and then in da- against Dallas, they played one of the better ones. I mean, the fact is, the uh, when you had McDavid and Drysaitel with the Oilers, you were pretty much guaranteed you get a penalty. You're gonna they're gonna score a power play goal, so that skewed anything else. Take that out. Take that factor out. You're suddenly they're not that bad a power play team. That said, that would be their one weakness, and I think uh, I, I saw a little bit of it later in the series with the uh, with Dallas. The fact is, the key for the Knights is not to make penalties. I mean, they actually have talked about that. That's the one narrative. They can avoid the penalty box. They can win. You look back at their games that they won. There maybe have been one or two penalties. I mean, I was amazed how. Uh, it's it's smart that the coach actually saw that and said, don't take dumb penalties and, and players follow through with it. It's one of those things you can say it all you want, but unless the players do it, it doesn't work. You know, both, uh, both teams have only trailed uh, in the playoffs once so far. And it was right. early on in the playoffs too, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. I know uh, Vegas particularly has only been down with the only time they were down the whole playoffs was uh, one, uh, nothing to one, not a, uh, well, nothing. Winnipeg. When Winnipeg was up, right. you know, by one uh, first game of the which a lot of people were surprised at that too. So, yeah. Well, it, but I'm at, I'm going to ask you though. Does this kind of take any emphasis off of winning that first game? Because we all know the Panthers are coming back from a ten game hiatus. A lot of people are saying that might actually hurt them. It's going to kill yeah. their momentum that they built this whole playoffs. If you know Vegas, kind of if Vegas wins this first game, given how both teams are, you know so in tuned to being ahead in these playoffs is that really going to make that much of a difference or is it going to be just kind of let's see and play how all this works out it's the old question of rest versus rust and uh the fact is i think whatever happened in the previous couple series i think you throw that out completely sorry to say uh, i i know that's 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 a lame answer but the fact is you don't if you don't want to lose any games in the finals because any, if you lose one game, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball. You're not going to, it's going to be too hard to catch up. Whereas in the semifinals, the mentality changes in, in even in the first round. Okay. We can still catch up. There's more of a desperation when you get to the finals. Every game is important. I know in the playoffs, every game is important in the playoffs, but it becomes heightened in the, uh, in uh, the finals. I mean, the fact is to lose one game, and go back, go down 1-0, can, that, that aspect of desperation can, can come in really quick. I remember during the, um, uh, during the finals in 2018, uh, one play, the, the Knights won the first game uh, against the Capitals, and then the Capitals stormed four more. And you can say that maybe it was a um, – uh, maybe they, lo- they lost the second game when Alex Tuck had a wide-open net, and he could have put it away. And – give them a, a lead, and they could have hung on for it. However, that's how thin the margin is in the finals. I mean, the fact is, you look at that and you say, okay, if they're up 2-0 in, uh, in the finals, going into Washington, you know, it's, 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 a lot more, it's a lot more competitive series, but it actually felt like you lost one game, and then you're playing catch-up the rest of the way, even if you want, especially when you lose the home ice advantage. Tell me what Vegas is like as a sports city, because I know a lot of warm weather like Miami, Los Angeles, they get a bad rap and somewhat deservedly so because their fans don't always show up. But it seems like Vegas fans, they're big time behind the Knights. Uh, we know that they're pretty much behind the Raiders completely. Like, what What's the sense of the Vegas fan? Is it like the New York or Boston fan as far as the rapidness or is it somewhere kind of in the middle of that versus the more warm weather cities that are more laissez-faire? We are a town, I'd say, of um, – it's kind of an amalgamation of, of different types of fans. I mean, there are a lot of New Yorkers here. There are a lot of West Coasters here, a lot of people from California. That all mixes. And I think, first of all, let me, let me say the Raiders – if you go to a Raiders game, you're, you, you find out very quickly that and there's not all Raiders fans. In fact, most of the time, estimate it's about 50% the other team. And mm-hmm. they don't mind that. They sell the tickets there, so that makes them happy. However, mm-hmm. a Knights uh, game – 
it's going to be 85 to 90% the nights. We're a tourist town. So no matter what, you're not going to get away from the fact that somebody's going to sell their tickets or somebody's going to sell their seasons. I mean, if I can sell two, sell one ticket for two grand to pay for next year's season tickets, I don't blame people for doing it. That said, the attitude of the, of the, uh, of the Las Vegas fan is they really love the Knights for one reason. I believe for, for the main reason is the fact they were started here. It's not like the Raiders. They moved here. It's not like the possible A's who are maybe moving here. The fact is they are, uh, they are, they like to, they use the, 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 uh, hashtag Vegas born in, in terms of their, uh, on their, on their Twitter page. But the, uh, the point is people have a real affinity for them. It really bonded with, they really bonded with the city because their first game was three days after or four days after the, um, uh, the October one shootings in 2017. Mm-hmm. And so the day after the Knights were Knights players were at, at, uh, uh, blood banks, giving out, uh, giving out orange juice, uh, food and everything. People waiting in, in line there, they were helping out wherever they could around the city. So that bonded the team to the, uh, to the, uh, fans very quickly. And then they, then they won their first game. Then they came back two nights later and they, they, they already had a had a uh, they did a ceremony where they uh, they put up the names of every one of the victims in the October one shooting. It may sound weird, but that is what bonded the team to the fans. And as long as the long as people have a memory of that, it will make people really feel like it's their team. And I I hadn't seen anything like this, and I've lived all around the country being a sports editor. And I I I ran coverage of the of the Predators when they first started. Ran coverage of. Uh, Minnesota North Stars when I lived in St. Paul. Man coverage of the Coyotes when they moved to uh when they moved the same year they moved to Phoenix from Winnipeg. I had never seen anything like this. The closest I saw were the way Minnesota North fans, North Star fans had taken to the uh, to the uh to the North Stars, but uh this this is really something. Let's talk but as far as the type of fans is, they're very they're very very uh, uh protective of their team. They'll they'll show for that team. It was kind of weird in 2018 when you saw as many uh, Capitals fans, but I think in Game Five. But I think most people had given up when they were down three one too. So, well, let's talk about that a little bit more. Is I mean, talk about Las Vegas just as a growing sports market. I mean, you obviously we've had Vegas expand here for NHL. Vegas, or I mean, the Raiders came to Las Vegas. Uh, A's might come to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What is it with Las Vegas that these teams are flocking to? Is it, I mean, is it a growing sports town that has been the last 10 years? And if so, well, why? It all changed when, I mean, first of all, it changed when the NHL decided to take a chance. Obviously, before, the, uh, before that, nobody wanted to touch Vegas because the gambling. They didn't, pro sports leagues didn't want to be associated uh, with Las Vegas because they were afraid that uh, uh, they worry about the aspect of gambling, the uh, the stigma, the fact that that maybe somebody would think their 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 players would be on the take or they'd be too susceptible to that. You know, even the same year the Knights were announced, uh, the NFL mixed a a fantasy football draft here in Vegas that was going to be run by uh, Tony Romo. Uh, famously, years later, you have season, you have the NFL draft five years later hosted. In on the strip in Vegas, uh, that was uh, sponsored by Caesars at the uh, at the Caesars Forum. So, but as far as it, it's it's a different town. It's I like to say it's a bipolar city. I hope that's not offensive to anybody. But it's the strip has one personality. Downtown the same. It's about gambling. It's about entertainment. But outside of that, it has a very much a. Uh, uh, a personality of I, I equate it to Phoenix. I grew up in Phoenix, and Summerlin is like Scottsdale. North Las Vegas is like Glendale. Um, Henderson is like Tempe and uh, and Mesa. And so the fact is, it's a uh, it's it's a very different sports town, but it's it's there's a reason why it's growing because first of all, those um, uh, those guardrails slowly came down once the night showed up, and then the Papspa. Uh, ruling came down that said anybody can have uh, sports gambling, so it didn't seem as taboo anymore. And suddenly, that's when the Raiders said, oh, "I think uh, this is a good timing, especially when their when their move to LA was 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 denied by the league." So they decided to come here and talk to uh, talk to Las Vegas officials. 
this doesn't happen. The growth in sports doesn't happen unless a the Knights take a chance, but the NHL takes a chance. That is, and b uh, perhaps uh, gets passed or gets gets struck down by the Supreme Court, and suddenly you have the NCAA holding events here. We just had an NCAA regional here this past uh, uh, this past March. So the fact is, or April, excuse me. The fact is, everything changed with those two those two uh, events. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, do people want the A's? I mean, going back to the A's and the expansions, are they? Do they want the A's, or do they kind of want to see them stay in Oakland? What What are the thoughts about the A's potentially coming in? I can only speak for myself. I want the A's because, for one main reason, we're not going to get baseball. And this is from somebody who. Who I, I used to be the sports editor in Sac at the Sacramento Bee. The A's were off and on good and bad. They're not always bad. They just go through every five years where they purge their team and and you they bring up the uh, their young stars and they go from that regard. Um, but I uh, I want the A's because if you wait for an expansion team, it's our best chance for for a real team because Portland or or Salt Lake or uh, Charlotte. Or even uh, Orlando, they all want an expansion team, or they want a move team. Nashville, excuse me, they're the ones who are going to get the expansion team. If Vegas wants a team, this may be the only chance because a, it's not as high as some of those other cities in terms of TV market, and it's also uh, you're talking somebody has to come in and build a. They're gonna it's gonna cost like a minute, like almost two billion just for the expansion fee, maybe one billion, but a very high expansion fee. Then you got to build a stadium. Then you got to fund the team, so you got to walk in with the like four billion in your pocket to do that. Um, so I hear a lot of people. Some people want them. Some people are fixated the fact that oh they're losers. Look past this. They were in the playoffs for four straight years after three just three years ago, and uh, and the fact is I don't think people realize this ain't going to happen unless it happens with the A's. What's the vibe with the Raiders? Because there's the Jimmy Garoppolo. Is he going to pass his physical, and is he going to be able to play for them? Uh, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, their skill players are tremendous, but their yeah. defense really struggled last year. And, and you know, when you're playing in the AFC West and you're playing Patrick Mahomes twice a year and Justin Herbert twice a year, you got to be good on that side of the ball, and they just haven't been. Like, Are the expectations that maybe they can do what they did two years ago and kind of sneak in as a wild card team, or are they doomed for a mediocrity, but not for long because Tom Brady's now a minority owner. He doesn't tolerate losing. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I really can. I think they're an enigma. The fact is, nobody knows what Jimmy Garoppolo has. I think he'll be starting opening day. I think that you know, yes, he had surgery on his foot. Yes, there were some contract issues. That's we. Uh, my old paper found out why they, uh, why the uh, the press conference was put off for a day because he didn't pass his physical and they had to rewrite his contract. Those are big factors. But I. I, I think anytime you've got a, a a division that has Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Justin Herbert, it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I think it's almost asking for 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 issues. I mean, unless the entire division and it's plausible. I mean, maybe the entire division can sneak in somehow, some way, or two of the two of the teams in the division. But I just I really think they they it's going to be tough for them to be, get past all those other teams to get a playoff spot. And do well, I think Bill, that Garoppolo will play? Yes. Well, Bill, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time. We love uh, all the insight you've given us, given us in the Las Vegas uh, sports scene. Not really a sports scene that's talked about too much, despite, you know, having two major sports teams now and potentially even a third. Uh, Stanley well, Cup finals. Well, I'm be adding, there's, there's, I think the la the next team that comes in here, I think will be the last. Now we're probably, there's a, there's, they're building an NBA arena down, uh, on the south part of the strip, but I just think if the A's come in here, I don't. I gotta think there's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be tough to get a four. We don't. We can't. I don't think we can sustain a fourth team. I think we can sustain three, and the next one that gets here, the door will. The door will close for a long time. Talk about the arena, the NBA arena. It's being built by uh, the Oakview Group. That's uh, that's done a lot of work. They built the uh, the the arena in uh, in Seattle. Um, <laughs> It's being built by uh, by a group uh, with Tim Liwecki, who is a uh, one of the closest friends of Adam Silver, as I understand. And uh, they have uh, already been promised uh, not a promised NBA team, but they're they're been told they're going to build this this arena to NBA specifications. 
there's another group trying to build an NBA arena. They've been trying to do it for 10 years. But that has that keeps getting pushed off and pushed off. This one will get built. It's on the it's it's on the south side of the uh, of the uh, strip, or even further south in the strip. But it's going to be with a boutique hotel and a casino, and it will get built. And it's going to be a, everything I've seen. It's going to be similar to uh, Climate Pledge Arena in um, uh, in Seattle, and uh, it, it it's going to be nice again. If baseball gets in here, it's going to be tough, I think, for resources for a um, for an NBA team to to get their feet back in there. So again, since in the the NA, the NBA hasn't even announced expansion plans yet. Well, that's that was my question. What is the point of that arena? I mean, it's for NCAA things, or I mean, it can't it's be only for, for one league. thing for NBA. It's they they want it. It's if they want to play the if you build it, we will come or they will come uh, game. Hmm. So. Yeah, I never just I never heard of a build a stadium to lure a fr- uh, an expansion franchise. It's just an interesting. You have to remember too. We have like five or six arenas that are used on a regular basis in this market. I mean, MGM Grand Garden, Mandalay Bay, which the uh, which WNBA Aces use all the time. Um, there's the Orleans, which which houses uh, uh, three different uh, conference tournaments during the NCAA tournament, the NCAA uh, conference tournaments in March. Um, and uh, obviously, T-Mobile Arena, and I'm I'm leaving one out. Excuse me, but we have we have arenas everywhere in this <laughs> this city, especially on this trip. Well, that was my, that was my question. I mean, was it be, for other events or is it truly for an expansion team? And it sounds like it's for the latter, which is really surprising. I mean, it's, the one down yeah. on the south part of the strip. I mean, the other the other things, the other uh, venues, they're going to be filled with with uh, they're all we already filled with shows and with with concerts and such. But uh, the uh, the one in the south end of the strip is going to be the but done by the Oakview Group. That is going to be for an NBA team. They say they were very specific about it. Well, Bill, this has been awesome. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals begin on Friday tomorrow. Um, I, my X factor for Vegas, I, I think Vegas. It's going to be really tight. I think it's going to go to at least seven. I really don't even know who's going to win, to be completely honest. But I will, what I will say for Vegas, my X factor for them is just their defense, how good it is, and how deep they are compared to Florida. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to really tire Florida out and frustrate them, frankly. What is, out of all the things we've talked about so far, what is the one X factor for Vegas that people should be looking out for when they watch the, the Stanley Cup Finals? Next Aiden week? Hill. I think they will be surprised how good they are. I think uh, – uh, how they will be? Uh, me, they'll be also be surprised how good the Vegas forechecking is. I mean, that was how this 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 two coaches ago this team was built on forechecking, and it's very very good. And then uh, the defense. I mean, the fact is, when you start with P, uh, uh, Peter Angelo, then you go to uh, and Alec Martinez on the first line, and it doesn't let up on the next couple lines for defense. It's pretty darn good. Well, Bill, it's been awesome. Uh, Bill Bradley. Like I said, prior uh, prior sports editor for the Las Vegas Review Journal and a current sports content consultant. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again. This has been this has been awesome, Bill, and uh, we're excited to have you on uh, shortly. Okay, more than happy to. All right, till next time. Thanks, Thanks, Bill. Okay, let's finish the show with off the map and long hauls of the week. Zach, who is your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week, I'm actually going outside the sports world. I'm going with Al Pacino. How about an 83-year-old man expecting another child with a 29-year-old? Like, first of all, you're 83 years old and you can get a 29-year-old. Congratulations, man. I hope to have that kind of success in about 50-some-odd years or so. But, look, 83-year-olds should not be having kids for obvious, obvious reasons. Because at best-case scenario, when that kid graduates high school, Al Pacino is going to be dead. So, I mean... It's worth somewhat celebrating the fact that he's 83 and getting a 29-year-old, but no, men that age should not be having kids. There needs to be an age limit on a lot of things. There needs to be an age limit on who can be president. There needs to be an age limit on who has kids, and there's probably an age, there's an age limit on who can drive, things like that, but that's my off the map this week. Yeah, good for him. Definitely has the money to have a kid. Uh, no kid might not remember him by the time he dies, but hey, we'll <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, good, like I said, though, good for him. Um, must be nice to to have that money and be that successful. No I'm kidding. Gonna, I'm gonna stay a little bit tongue in cheek as well, but keep it in the sports world. Uh, no one's really talking about how the Heat have a player called Nikola Jovic. Uh, yeah, J O V I C. 
I think it's a little bit funny. Uh, I didn't even know that until I looked up their roster earlier. Uh, doesn't play, obviously, a whole lot. Doesn't play nearly as much as Jokic, as you can imagine. Uh, I think, what, Jokic played 20 games for the Heat this year. Jokic, you know, all, like that. all of them, 84 points per game. Jokic has, like, five when he plays. And, you know, we all know Jokic is a premier a scorer. So, but, hey, that's a little fun thing. It'll be fun if they have the – 0.1% chance of guarding each other in the finals. If Jokic even, you know, sees the floor, we'll, we'll see. But I think it's, uh, will definitely be a hard, hard on the announcers to, to keep up if they actually do end up guarding each other. Like I said, small chance, but still pretty funny of a coincidence that no one's really talking about. And he's know. 19 years old. So if the heat were to actually win the series, he can't drink champagne. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. One of the few players on the heat that can't, I guess, uh, drink champagne if not the only maybe i know definitely a somewhat yeah. order of a team long haul of the week zach who was your long haul of the week long haul of the week pat riley he's been involved in 25 percent of the nba finals that have ever been played when you talk about how many times he won as a player i believe it was three times as a coach with the dynasty lakers in the 80s they made the finals all but i think two years in the 80s which is just insane to think about and then what he's done as an executive you know Winning a championship in 06, he was actually the head coach of the Miami Heat, took over for Sam Van Gundy midseason in 06. Uh, obviously, we know what he's been as an exec, getting LeBron, getting Dwayne Wade, getting Chris Bosh, having the two championships, been to multiple finals since. And the fact that this franchise has now gone to two NBA finals without Dwayne Wade, without LeBron, Jimmy Butler is a star, borderline superstar kind of guy, but the fact that Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley have taken this team to the finals without a top five player at bet at worst, I think shows a lot. And, you know, Pat Riley, he might be the NBA's version of Forrest Gump. You know, Forrest Gump wasn't around for everything that ever happened in human history. Pat Riley, he was there when Texas Western beat Kentucky in the national title game in 66 when they started five black players and was the first team to ever do that. He was there for the 33-game winning streak in 1972. He was there for Magic and Kareem. He was there for the Knicks going to – against Michael Jordan with all those epic battles. And he was there for the decision. Like every major thing that's ever happened in NBA history, Pat Riley has been involved in almost all of them. I'm going to go to uh, golf for my long haul of the week. A lot of backlash on uh, Michael Block this week. Went on a podcast basically saying uh, he would be as good as Rory McIlroy if he could drive as far as Rory could. Um we all know Michael Block, amazing story. Uh, this a uh, couple weekends ago with the PGA Championships, um, you know, finished I think fifteenth overall. Was a PGA pro. Uh, a lot of people surprised he even finished as high as he did. But yeah, came on a podcast, said he would be he would be good as Rory McIlroy if he could drive as far as he could. Uh, basically said, hey, my iron my iron game, approach game, putting game is all better than Rory is, and if I could drive as far as he could, I'd be as good as Rory is uh like I said getting a lot of backlash on what he said I'm okay with it the guy's been appearing on Good Morning America competed in the Colonial this past weekend he's gonna play in the Charles Schwab uh Invitational uh this upcoming weekend I believe it is will be at the RBC Canadian Open he's gonna be at the PGA Championships next year at Valhalla Valhalla he needs confidence and him saying a couple of things like that to gain up his confidence so he can play in front of millions of people and not make a fool of himself. If that's what he needs to do to do it, then I'm all for it. And I'm okay with him uh, pumping himself up a little bit when he goes on podcasts and other media outlets. So good for him. Keep it up. If that's what it takes for you to compete at the high level, I'm all for it. And uh, yeah, keep on, keep on doing it. Um, all right. Good show, Zach. We'll uh, finish it off with our predictions of the week. Uh, obviously big events to uh, finals championships going on stanley cup in the nba finals uh what are your predictions are they based on that or are they uh completely uh, something completely different yeah my prediction is going to be that the stanley cup final lasts longer than the nba finals i mentioned the nuggets i think are going to win in five i think the stanley cup's more likely of the two to go six seven games i think the panthers are playing incredibly well right now they've obviously beaten the bruins they beat the maple leafs i think they have a better chance of being the South Florida team to win a championship than the Miami Heat do. So my prediction is going to be the Stanley Cup final goes longer than the NBA finals. I'm going to go with both Miami teams will steal a game at home. And by this time next week, uh, we'll have two series 
that are two to one. I think it's uh by this time next week, uh it'll be game it'll be three two by by next by next Friday, I think it's gonna be three two Miami is what I believe it should be in the on the schedule here, and it'll be two one Miami for hockey. So both teams, both Miami teams in basketball and hockey will be up uh, by one game. We'll both will steal a game at home and we'll be in good position heading into next weekend. So, all right, well, that's the show. Uh, everyone keep on traveling until next time. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Take care.